Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. Hello, everyone. It's Hugh Ballou, founder and president of Center Vision Leadership Foundation, where we work with leaders creating the synergy in their teams and their cultures through the common vision. We are, in fact, the champion of the vision. That's why we're here. We have the vision for what could be, but sometimes we're not so clear about that that people can understand. So we've got an interesting topic and an interesting guest today. Uh, my my co-host, David Dunworth, and I are welcoming Gary Harps to the Nonprofit Exchange. So, Gary, would you please take a minute and share with our, our listeners, our viewers, a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yes, I grew up in uh, northwestern Ohio, which is um, good farm country, a lot of uh, a little bit like Nebraska and Iowa, good good corn grows here. But uh, the significance of that is that my parents came out of the depression and uh, I, I was I think about the how that has shaped me when when I grew up in a family where you didn't do just what you wanted to do, you did what you needed to do. And uh, you know you, when you have uh, don't have a lot of prosperity, you do what's necessary. And that became part of my culture working hard and spent a lot of hours with my dad on the farm. But I've always had this sort of hunger to um, understand how things work and put pieces together and analyze things sort of uh, more analytical than anything else. And that that has been the thread through my life. I, I had the pleasure of starting a, a business with two other fellows uh, that was an accounting software of all things. And in our brilliance, we started the business about nine months before the IBM PC was introduced. That dates me. But my point is that uh, we didn't have enough intelligence to do market research or anything like that. We just thought it was a good idea and did it. And uh, of course, then the IBM PC comes along, the market explodes. And so uh, we had 20 years of, um, we had to grow 30 or 40% a year just to keep up. Uh, we were losing market share if we weren't growing that fast. And so my, I had 20 years of thinking about systems and processes of growing businesses. We served growing businesses and uh, we sold our products through growing businesses. So just a huge laboratory, a PhD in growth and mistakes and uh, uh, all those sorts of things. My, the the next 20 years, I we sold that business and um, I spent a lot of time the last 20 years doing coaching and helping other organizations that are rapid growth and putting in place processes for uh, managing growth and building leadership. But I, I kind of divide myself up into three uh, 20-year periods. It looks It looks like that's the way my life is shaping up. Um, uh, I think it was Moses in the Old Testament had three 40-year periods. And so um, so my 30 to 50 was one 20-year period. The second 20 was the coaching period, which was 50 to 70. I'm 73 right now. And I'm my planning horizon is to 90, to be productive until I'm 90. So my next 20 is really focused on taking the technology we learned in the first 20 
with the coaching we learned in the second 20. And we're overlaying that with um, how do you integrate the soul part of your being into the way you manage a business. And, and uh, we, we refer to it as faith-driven. Um, but regardless of your faith, there are certain things you believe that are not tangible. They're the inner part of you. And uh, so my last 20 years is really devoted to how do you inject more of that into the way you manage a business. Hey, we're titling this, this episode, um, How to Beat Chaos and How to Integrate Faith in the Workplace. And that's just core to who we are as leaders and the foundation. So I want to dig in a little more before I give David a go at giving you, watch out, he'll give you the hard questions. But before I give him a go, dig in a little more. Now, um, you're an engineer, I'm a musical conductor, and, and, and we're doing leadership. So people say, how come? So there's, but there's a piece of our background, and you just mentioned it, equipped us. There's a book, I forgot who it's by Booth, the, who wrote the book, Show, uh, Strength to Strength. And he talks about, in our age, it's the crystallized intelligence that brings immense value. So what I learned from, from people is like uh, programmers, engineers, and conductors for those three, it's really the same skill set. You have a rigid structure and you have to operate in that rigid structure without breaking the rules and be creative and be effective. So it's really right left brain operating. Is that how you would see yourself? Yeah, I, absolutely. And I like the idea of synergy because, well, I use, I use the example of chocolate cake. There's not one ingredient in chocolate cake that would predict what the cake tastes like. Yeah. And so it is with an orchestra or anything else. No one instrument predict, predicts. And so the, the magic of synergy, of putting the right pieces together in the right shape and producing something you can't imagine. Um, so that's left brain and right brain working together. Hey man, so what's unique about you and from your back that makes you really good at doing what you do and in equipping leaders? Well, um, I, I I get a little personal here. I I think um, all of us have to ask questions about why are we here and what are we what what's everything what's the world all about what's my life all about and for me. Uh, my faith journey has informed that decision. And so we really, um, without, you know, different people believe different things. And that, so I'm not, that doesn't uh, uh, bother me at all. Um, but I think we're all truth seekers. We're all trying to figure out what the truth is in life. And so what I advocate for leaders is uh, I happen to be um, of a Christian faith. And so that faith informs the way I think about what reality is. My The general principle is think about who you are and what you believe and make sure it's integrated into the way you build your business or your life. And if we do that, regardless of what we believe, we if we are true to what we believe, we'll figure out what works and what doesn't, and we'll, we'll converge to a truth. What, what, I, what troubles me more than people who believe differently than I do, um, I, that doesn't bother me at all. What bothers me is people who don't know what they believe and don't practice what they believe, because that that won't lead you to truth. You, you see what I'm getting at? 
So I think as leaders, spending a little more time about thinking about, well, what, what are the transcending values I have? And how does that shape the way I want to build and manage this organization? Yeah. So David Dunworth, who's a co-host, is a chair of our board of directors for Cinevision Leadership Foundation. And our job is capacity building in the nonprofit areas called capacity building. So David, I think that's a lot of stuff that synergizes with what we do, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's pretty much uh, along the same lines. Uh, you described, you know, a lot of the things that we do and we talk about and we think about. Um, but uh, while we're on the subject of you and how you think and what you do, could you tell us a little bit about some of the key accomplishments uh, that you've that you've had in your career or projects that you've been involved with? And then uh, especially as they relate to and I don't know if they are because uh, I didn't have a chance to read it, but you've written a book called Built to Beat Chaos. Mm -hmm. uh, can you intertwine those two things for us? Sure. Um, <clears throat> my first business was the, the I started when I was 29 with two other fellows. And so a first time business owner, leader, and that business grew very rapidly. And after 20 years, we, we made every mistake in the book <laughs> and, and survived by God's grace. And I mean that literally. Uh, we ended up having a pretty large market share in our space and we became an acquisition target and we ultimately merged with our largest competitor and sold that whole combined entity to Microsoft. And um, that gave me the wherewithal to do financially what I wanted to do. And uh, my wife wanted me to get out of the house. That was the main, main, main objective after 20 years. So I was really interested in taking what I had learned because we made so many mistakes on the journey from one person to 500 people. Uh, the way an organization changes, the, the dynamics of what you go through as a leader, you, you start the business thinking about building a product. And then pretty soon, you're, more and more your time's spent hiring people. And pretty soon, when you got 100 people, 200, 300, you're no longer building products, you're building an organization. And you didn't sign up for that. You didn't even know that because it was the first time you went through this. And so in my second 20-year period, um, I wrote uh, two books. That One was uh, Six Disciplines for Excellence. It was a, a model for small businesses to think through how to just work on the business. And then um, later on, Six Disciplines Execution Revolution was talking about how technology was enabling people to work together uh, remotely and those sorts of things. This latest book, uh, Built to Beat Chaos, was actually inspired, uh, coming out of COVID, we had a client in um, Chicago that serves underserved healthcare needs. And I remember in a coaching meeting with their leadership, um, I don't, Try to put yourself in the position of a healthcare organization during this uh, COVID. And literally overnight, I mean, in a very short period of time, their demand for services went up fivefold. And um, so what do you do? You work harder. And uh, pretty soon the staff is exhausted and the staff starts to miss. And so that uh, exacerbates the problem. And so you see this chaos that I'm talking about. And I was in this meeting 
And I said, what is the most important thing for you to do in the next 90 days to this group? And uh, you know what? We actually voted on it. And the number one thing was to get time to think. And I just walked out of that room. The word chaos kept coming over and over. And I walked out of that room thinking uh, humanity is feels like it's a victim of chaos. That chaos that is yeah. that chaos is the enemy. And um, the book itself takes some biblical principles from the creation story and turns that around and says, um, we're not intended to be victims. Chaos is actually exists to be our purpose. And uh, the um, I can elaborate on that if you want to drill into it. But well, yeah, it might be good. Just a little bit more, if you don't mind. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. So yeah, you know, most of us have attended Sunday school or something, and just ask somebody. You remember the creation story and. Uh, what was the first thing God created? And people will say, hmm, I think it was light, wasn't it? And and so if you look very carefully at the, the very first uh, sentence in Genesis says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and they were void and without form. And there's a, there's a message there, in my opinion, that um, God, chaos itself is not evil or bad. God created chaos before he created anything else. And then he began to model for us what we are created to do. We're created in his image to bring order out of chaos. And so that's what he did. He created the chaos first, and then he separated the land, light from the dark and the land from the sea. And in my belief, and the, the, the premise of this book is that if we quit looking at chaos as the enemy, and view it as raw material, which is given to us from which to apply purpose, then the chaos melts away if you have purpose. If you don't have purpose, you're going to have chaos. That's being anchored in principle. Uh, David and I work with nonprofits, religious organizations, uh, businesses. And you know, Gary, it's pretty much the same stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, your anchor is being very clear on purpose. And that's, you know, if I'm a conductor and I step on the on the podium and I'm not clear, it's going to be cacophony, not just chaos, cacophony. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll, it'll hurt your ears and people will walk out. So, you know, there's a lot of synchronicity in all of this. So uh, Richard Rohr, Franciscan author, speaker, thought leader, is talking this quarter about a world on fire and specifically dealing with the fire and it's a refiner's fire. So talk a little bit. I mean, you, you've had a journey as a CEO and your own businesses, um, this, and then the people you work with. So what are the patterns for people? You know, we want to avoid conflict. We want to avoid risk. But, you know, there's a refiner's fire in working through some of those problems. And I'm sure you said there was you did everything wrong. There's some learning examples. And so to reframe mistakes into learning opportunities is what's been been helpful for me in my, my 78 years. So any of that that you want to comment on, why are we risk averse and how do we approach the downside and make it better? Well, let me back up to a little broader question. I, I remember in my first uh, college class, uh, 
in sociology, a profound question was asked that really I've been pursuing the answer to my whole life. And he said, why is it that the world has progressed so much technologically, but not at all sociologically? Mm -hmm. And um, I, the, uh, bear with me on this thread, but it leads to why leadership, in my opinion, is the most important role there is. And when I say leadership, I'm I'm going beyond uh, um, a role where a manager of people. I'm talking about the idea that a leader does two things: they determine purpose and then they organize resource to accomplish it. That's what a leader does. Well, that applies to self. So this concept of picking purpose and then organizing whatever you have at hand to accomplish it applies to self and it applies to groups. So the, the essence of his question, um, if you, I mean, this has taken me four decades to sort this out. My theory is that the reason we've progressed so much um, scientifically, but not socially, is scientifically uh, or, or technologically, we have a set of rules that are uh, the rules of physics and chemistry that are reproducible. So, you know, if you, all of life is about integration. You put a, you put together an orchestra to play a specific sheet of music. So you, there's a lot of things being put together there, the synergy. Well, in, when it comes to science, we can study the rules of previous generations and build on them because they continue to work the same way. Physics continues to work and we can compound the learning. But um, again, there's a, a biblical view that says uh, we're created to have dominion, to, to rule in the world. But God tucks in this little hidden uh, phrase, he says, but you're going to have to multiply to do it. And therein is the humans, humanity's biggest challenge is to accomplish what we're created to. We have to work with other people to do it. And frankly, we don't know how to do it. And, and the reason, you know, in chemistry, in the world of chemistry, everything's made out of electrons, protons, and neutrons, and they're all held together with electrostatic energy. Well, in, when you're building an organization, what is the equivalent of the electromagnetic energy? What is the equivalent of the thing that holds individuals into a shared purpose? What is that? And, uh, the Bible would suggest it's the way we treat each other called love. And so now, so what is the role of a leader? The role of a leader is to craft purpose and then get people to work together to accomplish that purpose. And to do that, they have to understand human chemistry, just like a, a chemist has to understand uh, the world, the rules of chemistry itself. But it's a whole different set of rules. It has to do with telling the truth, being open and honest, having integrity, speaking truth. You know, all those things are part of human chemistry. Oh, my goodness. What were your two sentences you said a while ago that define leadership? Leaders are boom, boom. The you want to hear that again? Please. Repeat yeah. that. It was two sentences. The, 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 there's two roles of leadership. The first and most important is deciding what purpose is. Mm-hmm. The second is organizing resource to accomplish that purpose. And the resource can be people, it can be material, but it, you're, you're organizing it. 
And uh, I do want to clarify something. People love writing books about purpose. It's way more complex than saying, what is your purpose? Um, there are multiple purposes. And uh, a lot. when I say a leader has to choose purpose, if you're a frontline supervisor, four layers deep in the organization, to choose the purpose of your group, you have to understand the purpose of your boss so that your purpose aligns with your boss's purpose and your boss's purpose has to align with the organization's purpose. So when, yeah. when, I, when I, I say it very simply, hey, you just have to decide purpose and execute it. Well, duh, uh, deciding what purpose is is a huge challenge and it's why we have so much trouble in the world. If I get married, my purpose all of a sudden changes. Instead of me, I've got us. And then us, I go to work for somebody and my boss has a purpose and he wants me to do certain things that might conflict with us. And so a lot of the conflict in the world is we don't know how to align our purposes. Yes, and leaders aren't very good at sharing that and knowing how to share that. David, he defined leadership in 30 seconds. We had people take 30 minutes and we still didn't get it. So I think, Gary, it's it's misunderstanding what leadership is. And as a conductor, people think we're a dictator. Well, you got a bunch of union musicians. You got this little white stick. You can't make anybody do anything. But golly, you can influence them, but you got to be really clear. David, you want to pick up on that? Well, yeah, and I'm sure as a uh, as you've described as a Christian, uh, let's say CEO, you you've run businesses in the past, you've built your own business. What kind of lessons have you learned or insights that you've gained that are specific to running that type of an organization? Well, I don't think it's unique to Christians in general. People, I, I think of it as a hierarchy uh, at the base level of this pyramid. What, what is anybody, I don't care what your faith system is, anybody wants to work for an organization that's stable, that I'll have a job next year like I do this year. Hopefully it's growing, so I might have some opportunity to grow and develop. Um, I would like to be treated well, paid fairly. Um, I'd like it to be an honest environment. You know, these are basics. It doesn't matter what civilization you come from we i think it was c.s lewis said the key to understanding man in the universe is that we all want the same things and none of us do it <laughs> but <laughs> oh that's great oh that's great yeah it, it's one of my favorite quotes of all time uh, anyway so back to your question um as you're building an organization uh, the first thing that's most important in our model, in the world's model, in my opinion, is you've got to decide what the purpose of that organization is. And is the purpose to generate maximized profit and you sell the thing when you're done? Is the purpose to have an impact on your community? I, I'm, not, I'm not critiquing what your purpose is. I'm just saying you ought to be clear about the, what the purpose is. And the reason is you can't design a plan to execute it until you know what the purpose is. So uh, the second layer that we're seeing more of now uh, emerging is the recognition we have a very lonely society. Um, one of your previous podcasts, I heard some discussion about that. And I think COVID accelerated it. You see the statistics of uh, drug usage in the last 20 years have gone up 500%. Suicides have gone up. So there, um, there's more of a recognition of a need for a second layer in 
business, whether it's faith-based or not, is called Soul Care. Um, and <clears throat> they're co-opting that term to mean that we as businesses should take care of people more holistically, not just eight hours that they're working for us, but try to understand are there things we can do for them at home? If, if we help them at home, it helps us at work and vice versa. And that soul care is really faith independent. Most people want to be cared for. Uh, so uh, that's an uh, interesting story. I, I talked to, I don't know if you ever heard of chaplaincy organizations. They're, um, mm -hmm. uh, they're a, a form of faith-based um, organization that will be contracted to come into an organization and just get to know people and be available to them to talk to them. What, what's been proven statistically is somebody outside the organization can come alongside and care for people and do things that somebody inside cannot. And so right. they've, tr they've tried to run these same programs, these caring programs, through the HR organization and has about 3% adoption. This has been going on for 20 some years. But now when they use the chaplaincy, the adoption's more like 10 times that, 20, 30%. And the reason is people are, they trust talking to somebody outside the organization more than they do inside. And this has nothing to do with faith. Um, <clears throat> but uh, let me get back to the point. I was talking to one of these guys that does chaplaincy except they have no faith component at all. They, they avoid talking about any kind of faith. They just don't, they want to stay away from that because there's a lot of companies uh, don't want to get into that controversy. <clears throat> and I said, so what is it that you're doing for these people if you don't talk about faith? And he said, well, basically we are a friend for hire. We've gotten to the point in our society where our large institutions are realizing that our society is crumbling and the institutions are paying people to be the friend of the people who work for them. Wow. Yeah. You know, um, our audience is nonprofit leaders and they are operating a business. It's a not a for-profit business. It's a for-purpose enterprise. And the more, and we need to hear that message because we don't do that care for our volunteers, for our staff, for our board. Yeah whether it's a church or a synagogue or a local charity, a membership organization like a chamber of commerce or a university, there's lots of models of a tax exempt organization, but they all need to hear that message. That is- They do. And I, I think we've made a huge mistake where we, we do believe different things and we shouldn't run them down, ram them down people's throats. And Jesus didn't do that, no. uh, never did. And But we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater because we've ended up saying, we don't know how to talk about these things, so let's don't talk about them at all. Oh, my. Yes. Right. And so we avoid the topic. Now, I was listening to the story of a, 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 an organization that was of Muslim faith, and they came to this Christian organization and, and gave them more and more business over time. And the, the Christian owner talked to the Muslim and said, why do you do business with us? We believe very different things. And they said, we do business with you because we know you're motivated to be honest. We know that your faith says that being honest is important. We may not agree with your faith, but we know what motivates you. You see the difference? And that's my argument to say to somebody, well, why should I work for a Christian? You know, those guys are weird and extreme and mean and whatever. And I say, no, 
the reason to work for them is they have some framework they can articulate that is their set of values and they are held accountable by God to treat you right. Whether you believe whether you believe in that God or not, you benefit from the fact that they believe in that God. Well, and you know, um, there are a lot of organizations in any sector who veer from who, what we say we are. Yeah. And so, you know, you're talking about the way people behave, the way they apply their principles, and the way they they stand in integrity, which you know they can they can be all over the place with any kind of institution, but. You know, Gary, you mess with people. You got us inspired. You got us thinking differently. So they're going to want to know where to find you. So I'm going to show for people watching on video, I'm going to show your website, but people that, that are, it's leadfirst.ai. So when people go to your website, what will they find? Well, they'll find a series of tools. The most important thing we do is sit down with leaders and say, what is your purpose? We we don't ever try to tell somebody what their purpose is. We're open about what our purpose is. But if you can't get purpose right, nothing else matters. And um, so that's where we start with people. And then if they want help implementing purpose and integrating the way their business runs and managing growth, hey, growing a business is incredibly difficult. You know, you got a 25-person organization versus a 50 or 100 keeping people on the same page, managing projects, managing metrics. It's a huge challenge. And so we have the benefit of we can help on both sides. I think a subtitle of what I heard you say is not only lead first, but people first. Yes, that's a good point. Um, it's it's a sub theme, David, you're going to add to that. We're going to, I'm going to ask you now, what do you, people got inspired, you know, what can they do with something they've learned? But David, you want to um, do a quick one. We're we're out of time today, but you want to comment? Um, I find the principles that Gary's sharing are pretty much human principles, yeah, with a little religion or faith or whatever you want to call it mixed in. But they don't necessarily follow quote unquote the Christian mentality. It's it's the uh, the reason why we were we're here all together. It's love based, and treating people fairly and understanding going forward. I, I think you've you've done a remarkable um, amount of information share in just less than thirty minutes, and I really <laughs> appreciate that. He's done this all, all on a learning journey. He's done this before, Davis. So, um, Gary, thank you for spending time with us. What final thought or charge or tip do you want to leave people with today? Yeah, I want to encourage people, if you feel overwhelmed, like the chaos has eaten you alive, stop and close the door and think deeply about what your purpose is. And that will start to bring some clarity of what to let go of and what to focus on. And then the, the it'll break some of that power the chaos seems to have on you. Gary Harpst, uh, lead first. Thank you for being our guest today on the Nonprofit Exchange. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Nonprofit Exchange. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.